0: Alright, so this morning, we continue from the book of Ephesians. And if you've got your Bibles with you, I invite you just to open to the book of Ephesians chapter 1, verse 11. This is Paul writing. In him, we have obtained an inheritance who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. Let's, let's open in prayer. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for the gift of our inheritance that we have through Jesus. And even this morning as we were singing these songs, every song we sing to the glory of your name, we, we come to you because you've given us an inheritance in Jesus. And so this morning, even as we explore that, Father, I just pray that you would speak to each one of us, that your spirit would indwell us, that you would guide us and lead us into what revelation you would have for us this morning. We pray and ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Growing up, There was a bit of a joke in my family, and uh, often my parents, my parents divorced when I was four years old, so growing up, I had a pretty much a patchwork family. Both my parents remarried, and there were stepsisters, half-sisters, half-brothers, adopted sister, we've got it all in our family. And often we would have this joke about, the parents would say, we're going to spend your inheritance and make sure we have a good time. There's this whole story about inheritance. Even in your life, how often has the word inheritance come up in family conversations? Right? A little bit political. Sometimes a bit of a hot potato. Sometimes somebody say, "Well, I don't need anybody's inheritance. I'll make my own inheritance." Other folk were. Maybe they, you weren't so well off, so the idea of getting a family inheritance if you had wealthy parents looked, was something you could look forward to. I always reminded people, and even my own family, I, I joked a little bit to gain an inheritance, you had to become an orphan. <laughs> That's the, the not so exciting part of that story. So, what do we do about this inheritance? You know, sometimes in life you've got to. Maybe make a conservative effort and with God decide, Lord, may my inheritance be of you and nothing of this world. Because if you're relying on the inheritance of your parents, it's too small a thing. Even if you got 20000 50000 how quickly is $50,000 spent in this modern day? <laughs> if you told me when I was 18, I'd get $50,000 from somebody I would have tap-danced. These days, I think you'd struggle to buy a vehicle. Right? Everything is a matter of perspective. But inheritance, what is that about? In Joshua chapter 24 verse 15, it says, As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And in my early 20s when I had really nothing to show for it. I had nothing. But when the Lord found me, I recognized that in Christ I will gain something that I could give to my family. I could give to my wife. I could give to my children. I can give this to my children's children. I remember when Victoria and Nicola were still babies and I would drop them off at their, their nana's, Lesanne, Shannon's mom. And, she, and uh, Shannon's mom just loved to have her grandchildren with her. She, it just, when the grandchildren came over, your name was forgotten and uh, the grandchildren were it, right? You, you were just like a ghost in the house. But I remember Lizanne taking my girls and giving them their hot chocolate. And Lizanne every morning, would have a quiet time. She would have the girls with her because this was her inheritance to her grandchildren. And she would do quiet times with them and read the word of God. And they would pray together. And it turned into a daily routine. And they all loved this. It became an inheritance that you could pass on to your children and to your children's children. And so that comes a little bit to the last time I spoke on this. I spoke about salvation coming to one's home, comes to the house. And it's a very lengthy conversation to speak about household salvation. So, but to summarize, we don't have a lot of time because this is not what we're talking about. But Charles Spurgeon says this about household salvation. Though grace does not run in the blood, and regeneration is not of blood nor of birth, Yet doth it very frequently happen that God, by means of one of a household, draws the rest to himself. He calls an individual, then uses him to be a sort of spiritual decoy to bring in the rest of the family into the gospel net. Isn't that amazing good news? And I will tell you, this is perhaps the first lesson I learned in household salvation. And I think graphite Bible camp would be testified to this as well. When you bring a child to salvation, often that child is the gateway into the hearts of those parents. If you bring a child to salvation, the parents often are not too far behind. In children's ministry, a Christian family church, we have two and a half thousand children over a month in the children's ministry. Children's ministry is perhaps the most fruitful place to serve in the church. Children's ministry and Bible camp, you've got eight weeks of unlimited ministry during summer. But children's ministry downstairs, the value of children's ministry is immense. And I saw great, the greatest lesson I had in spiritual um, winning souls for people. I learned everything I learned in children's ministry. Because to bring a child to God is just an absolute precious ministry. And you see fruit and you see it immediately. Whereas an adult, now and you're doing adult ministry, we're in the long game. You don't always see immediate fruit of salvation. And bringing people to a place of salvation is more of a complicated thing. Because we as adults, I can only really speak for myself, but you've got a lot of baggage. <laughs> right? You've been there, done that, got the t-shirt, you've sort of got rid of the t-shirt, and somebody brings up an old video of you doing something you shouldn't be doing. We know that we've been there, right? But I will say, when I got the good news of my inheritance in Christ... When I truly grasped it, my life changed. Because then I really did say to the Lord, Lord, you are my inheritance. Every song we speak, sing, it is about this inheritance we get from an amazing God who first loved us. So this is what Paul is saying. In Christ, in Jesus, in the Christ means the Messiah, the King. In King Jesus, our King we have an, obtained an inheritance. We have been predestined according to the purposes of him, God, who works all things according to the counsel of God's will, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be praised of his glory. What a... You know, if, if ever you're struggling with your faith, just take the, you'll take the Bible out and... And just go and spend time in Ephesians. It's just a wonderful place of just when, what, why, and how. But ultimately, it speaks about God's plan. That repeated phrase throughout the gospel, just saying, in Jesus, in Christ, in him, are beautiful words. This inheritance that I never planned on getting, an inheritance I never knew was due to me. Until I met Jesus. And when I met my king, the king of kings, the Lord of lords, the high priest of Israel, in him, I suddenly realized there's the spiritual inheritance that is rich, beautiful, and wonderful. And not only does it reconcile me, it reconciles every human being to me as well. So do you know, family, that you are my inheritance? Isn't that amazing? You are mine in Christ. What a precious thing to know we're brothers and sisters in Christ. Once upon a time I was an orphan. I was a spiritual orphan. I was leading my life for my own sake. It led me nowhere. I thought I'd make myself successful. We all know about those things. You can make all the plans you want. But sometimes the world has other plans. But when I inherited Christ, I inherited a family that far exceeds my ability to even comprehend in Christ. God has blessed us with every spiritual blessing through the sacrifice of Christ. And you are part of that blessing. You are part of that that unimaginable inheritance. He has chosen those who are weak and lowly to be his children. I've been spending time, you know, because I've had a bit of time in the last 10 days to get over some COVID. So I've been spending some time even listening to some podcasts by well-known atheists. And they really struggle with this idea of Jesus knocking on the door. Why should we come to a God who who wants to destroy humanity? And and the irony is, I just think to myself, because they've never spent a moment to read the book of Ephesians to understand that is not about God's desire to punish anybody. God's judgments, family, this is what we're going to, when God judges you, family, he brings healing into your life. When you go to a doctor, you want sound judgment from your doctor to find out the true cause of your dilemma. Anybody else here needing a bit of sound judgment from your medical practitioner? The single biggest thing in our lives is finding people in our lives when we're in trouble that we can go to somebody with good discernment that we can get the legitimate help that we need. The biggest thing in life is going to people who know nothing about nothing and telling you this is what you need. Anybody getting advice from the wrong people on occasion? You don't know what you don't know and the people that you're getting advice from don't know either? And So when we seek out God's judgment is so that we will be saved from destruction. All forms of it. God has a plan for you. He desires for you to prosper. It's not just a financial prosperity. It is everything. Your entire being. He wants you to prosper. He wants your family to prosper. He wants your children's children's children to prosper. And so when I seek God's judgment for my life I ask God to discern what's best for me and so that I may know the path that God has chosen for me it's not because God desires anybody should perish he has chosen those who are weak and lowly to be his children come as you are it's okay he is drawing men to himself they are called to receive their adoption as sons and daughters of God isn't it amazing that God says, you are my daughter, you are my son, welcome, enter into my presence, you who are much loved, and you come with your dirty rags and whatever it is, you know, your children, they, they've been playing outside and they're full of that mud and you come in and mom or dad cleans them off and gets them ready for supper and you feed them and that's your heavenly father. We continue reading verse 13 and 14 it says, "In him, in him, Jesus. you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel, the good news of your salvation and believed in him, you were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of His glory. The whole promised Holy Spirit and being sealed. 2,000 years ago, when you spoke about a seal, the governor or uh, anybody who was in charge, you'd have a nice ring on your finger. Maybe when your dad passed away, the family ring would go to you and it it would be a ring that you could push down into some wax with your family coat of arms and it would identify who you were. Every letter would have the seal of the king, the seal of the patriarch. And the seal would be an indication of whose authority that letter or inheritance was coming from. In our modern day, I was trying to think, what is a modern day comparison of a seal? When you go to a shop in our modern day, Do you take check for the seal of your products? And why would you check for the seal of your products? Anybody? In case they're tampered with. Fresh. When you know a seal is properly on any product, we know that that product is safe. And so it is with God, when you say, Lord, I'm surrendering my life, this vessel, This bottle, this lamp, Lord I'm surrendering to you. And he cleanses you, he washes you, the workings of the Holy Spirit. And then he seals you tithes. He fills you with living water. And he sends you out into the world being fresh, sealed in the Holy Spirit. And he says, go and now serve mankind. Serve your fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. Bring the people into the kingdom. And you and I become the gift, the sealed gift that God sends out in the world, drawing all men unto God through Christ Jesus. What a privilege it is to serve God. And so you and I have been given this inheritance, this testament. You're no longer just a slave to sin. You're no longer the old you. You are now the new you, the new, refreshed, remodeled, brand new in every aspect. And he says, you, all authority, think about this, all authority in heaven and earth is given to you. Do you know how much authority you have? When you speak in the, with the authority of the name of Jesus, every knee, every spirit, every principality has to bow. Not to you, but to the authority you carry in Christ. And not everybody in the spiritual realm is happy with this endeavor. And so you will be challenged. They'll say, oh, is this really true? Let me see the signet of this. Let me seal this sealed wax to see if it really, are you truly carrying the authority of Christ, in whose authority do you speak? But when you truly speak with the authority of Christ, your king, our bridegroom, it's the greatest name, no greater power in heaven and earth. God says He has given Christ all things. Jesus is seated on the right hand of God. Everybody in heaven and earth knows. You see, why did God do this? In Deuteronomy in chapter four, verse twenty it says, But the Lord has taken you and brought you out of the iron furnace, out of Egypt, to be a people of his own inheritance, as you are this day. You are God's inheritance, family. You are his portion. For they are your people and your heritage, whom you brought out by your great power and by your great outstretched arm. Deuteronomy 32, when the Most High gave to the nations their inheritance, when he divided mankind, he fixed the borders of the people according to the number of the sons of God. But the Lord's portion is his people, Jacob, his allotted inheritance. So you see, when God gave the sons of God humanity, he took for himself Jacob. Israel. He says, I will make for myself a people. Because if you go back to the story of Tara Babel, it's because people rejected God. They wanted to serve their own thing. They wanted to build a house that could contain God. And God cannot be contained. So we are God's portion. Why? What is the chief end of man? The chief end of man is to glorify God and to enjoy God Forever. And you see, it sounds like, what (laughs) it almost sounds like God just desires because he's got a low self-esteem. No. God just knows that when we fully embrace him and love him with every fiber of our being, that we will love our neighbors in the same way. And that way we will reconcile the whole of mankind to God and towards each other. And when you read the news, family, do you think the world could use a bit of reconciliation right now? Wars in Ukraine. I am speaking to uh, a Christian brother that's from Uganda. The war in South Sudan, it's if you think the wars in Ukraine and Jerusalem are bad family, go and look up what's happening in in South Sudan. It 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 pales by comparison. it's horrific, but that doesn't make the news. The amount of people being murdered, killed, destroyed, it's just that's just horrendous. There's, we are sometimes only used to look at the news that is presented to us, but we don't know what's happening in the end. Humanity needs some recon, some serious reconciliation to God that we can be reconciled one to another. That is God's purpose, to reconcile us to him and towards one another. God's people. Paul is speaking about when when Paul originally starts out in ministry the rest of the world were gentiles the jewish people were the chosen people they had the temple they had god on their side the rest of the world like they were gentiles they were heathen they had nothing going for them but now all of a sudden something has changed and I can't. This is. Can you imagine being a people who were the chosen people, and no longer are you the only chosen people? But now all of a sudden, you found out that you, who are the chosen people, are no longer just the chosen people, but now as God is bringing in all the Gentile world into this equation, Paul needed a bit of a, a mind shift to understand this, and he has his road to Damascus experience. And all of a sudden, the ministry, he thought he was going to get all his his Israelite brothers and sisters saved. Sometimes even I thought, well, I'll go and get my whole family saved. But my family didn't want to hear what I had to say. And so I ended up going out into the world and ministering to people I never knew. And all of a sudden, the people I never knew became my spiritual family. And so it is, Paul is speaking about the Jews, Israel was chosen, adopted, redeemed, and called God's children and inheritance. Wow. The Jews were the first to hope in Christ, but yet not the last. The Ephesians, who Paul is speaking to, he says, have also heard the word of truth, the gospel of salvation, and believed in Jesus. And so they become united. And that's why I've got the tree in the corner. Because God's portion is the tree. And you and I, The wild fig, the wild olive, has now been grafted into the true vine. You have a true inheritance in the true vine. This is amazing, miraculous stuff. Because we are now no longer wild. We are now God's chosen. And then God puts the seal on us. All who believe in Christ are sealed in the Holy Spirit. The moment you believe, the Holy Spirit made you the dwelling place. There's something about being sealed, going back to when I was speaking about the bottle. There's something about looking at something that's sealed, knowing that it is whole, it is pure, it is fresh. And this is the Bible. When you read in the Bible and it's speaking about being sealed, in Revelation 20 it speaks about Jesus, I mean, sorry, Satan is thrown in the bottomless pit and is, and is sealed there. He cannot come out of that bottomless pit Satan is not in control of hell, family. Hell is not uh, the domain of the devil. We've got to get rid of that thinking. That's Greek mythology. It's got nothing to do with biblical understanding. There's a scroll with seven seals that Jesus is one day in the book of Revelation is going to open up. And some people believe even now those scrolls are being opened. It is a sign of ownership and preservation. That is probably Paul's thinking when he says we are sealed in the Holy Spirit. God has placed his seal on you, preserving us and stating his claim of ownership over you. You are his children. So in the spiritual realm when demons and demons and beings come to you and they want to attack you, once they see you are sealed in Christ, no weapon formed against you can prosper. It really is that simple. It is that faith. See, Paul is understanding that there's a brand new exodus taking shape in Christ. Once upon a time, there was an exodus coming out of Egypt. And God called his people out of Egypt into a promised land. And what did that mean? There was, the world has the slavery mentality towards sin. And maybe some of you are still struggling with that, as as with me. There are areas of my life that I know that are enslaved to sin. But I know in Jesus I have my exodus from that dilemma. I also know from living in Egypt most of my life I've got my exodus and I have a new destination. And while there is heaven, I know that for the time being I'm... In a spiritual, not a wilderness anymore. But I'm in a promised land. God says wherever I put my foot. He will claim it for God. And I live a life. I've got a new destination. Once upon a time. I was on a road to nowhere. I was on a road. I want to be my own success. But even everything that is built by man. One day will perish and go. Even that very house you sleep in tonight. It's only on loan to you. For a, for a short period. There's a time of exodus. The whole of creation is renewed by a fresh act of God's power and grace. God is going to exodus the entire creation as well. The sign of the Holy Spirit are cloud and fire like in the wilderness. When the Jewish people were coming out of, Israel was coming out of Egypt, they'd have a a cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night and they would move, being led by the Spirit of God. Today you and I have got the same guidance. The Holy Spirit is in you and we submit to what the Holy Spirit is calling you to do. It is leading you out of Egypt. Every time you do something and you know it, in your spirit you can feel and sense that it is wrong. That's the Holy Spirit leading you out of that place. Heaven and earth ought to be joined in Revelation 21. We see the old world, we're coming out of the old world into the new world. God is going to make everything new. And number one, God's dwelling place is going to be with mankind. God desires to make his dwelling place with you. And isn't that amazing? Because that is your inheritance. Do you want to be any other place than that? Wow. Welcome to your exodus. Paul is speaking to Ephesians. And maybe one or two of you today, for the first time, are actually getting a bit of this revelation from Paul, well welcome to your exodus God is calling you out of Egypt and he's saying I want to make my dwelling place in your hearts in your life I'm your inheritance because he's leading you to the promised land and it's amazing it's just what a better place to be than on a journey together on the road to the promised land. We are all being called to Mount Zion. What a wonderful day that has when every tribe, every nation will be called to go up there. Some of you all might just say, all men are given the chance to accept or reject God because God loves all men and desires all men to come to him. I thought I'd just put that, this in here this morning because sometimes we're in a rush to get to a destination. But and we wonder why God tarries. Second Peter three, it says, "The Lord is not slow in keeping His promise. As some understand slowness, He is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance." One Timothy 2: "This is good and pleases God our Savior, who wants all men to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth." John 3:16, "For God so loved the world." That he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. So family, we need to get into our minds that God is waiting and being patient because he wants the fullness of those to come into God's kingdom. For every day that God waits, more brothers and sisters are coming to the fullness of knowledge of who Christ is. So let us pray continuously that the fullness of God's children come in. If it was your child that's been tarrying and hasn't made a commitment to the Lord, are you okay if God waits one more day for them? Then let us be okay if God waits another couple of more days for the fullness to come in. So what is the message? God has staked his claim over us. We are not our own. We belong to him. He is our God and we are his people. God made all of these promises to Israel and said he would love them with an everlasting love. Jeremiah 31. God loves you with an everlasting love. He loves your neighbor with an everlasting love. And God doesn't want anybody to perish. But he wants us all to come to that revelation. But it's a relationship. God doesn't want to force anybody to love him. That isn't how love works. It's a free will surrender of our desires for somebody. So the one idea, if you walk out here this morning, just with one idea in your mind. Who are you? Or whose are you? Is my, I might introduce you and say, hey, my name is Martin. I'm the pastor here at Graphite. Maybe it's my title that defines me. Or maybe I'm Shannon's husband. Maybe that's my title. What's the question? If God has chosen to include us in his group of chosen people, shouldn't be that the forefront of our minds? You know, there's that one song that goes, I am a child of God. He calls me friend. If there's one thing I can encourage you every single day, all day long, it's just to say, I'm a child of God. I'm a child of God. He calls me friend. And when you look at somebody who has fallen and downtrodden, just they're chosen of God. God loves that person that's downtrodden, that is lost, that has got, doesn't know what to do with their life, that person who's so lost, but God loves them so much. That are you that sealed believer that God is sending to that person? You're a child of God, you're sealed. Originally, I wasn't going to use the bottled water. I was going to use bottled lightning. Why bottled lightning? Anybody want to know? How much power is there in the name of Jesus? All power and authority. In the name of Jesus, the dead will be raised. Can you imagine the power that that takes? When you operate in the giftings that God has called you to operate in family, I want you to all understand that you are operating with bottled lightning. You've got all the power of heaven behind you when you're doing and fulfilling God's calling on your life. God will make a way where there seems to be no way. God is an amazing God. If you doubt that, next time you go hunting or go, go out at night when we're doing the Walk of Hope, look up into that starry night sky and just think, how much of that do we even begin to comprehend? And God created all of that with a spoken word. When God sealed you in his name, he gives you that authority. Wow. You are a child of God. What a precious inheritance. So into the promised land. Welcome to God's inheritance this morning. Go out and take the land. Just share the good news. What a wonderful privilege it is just to be part of that ministry. Don't make it complicated, family. Sometimes... You don't have to use words. Your actions sometimes speak louder than words. I'm gonna invite the worship team up this morning and just even as we as this close in prayer this morning and, and go into a, a final time of worship. Let's just close your eyes and just say, Lord, here am I this morning. Just take a moment and say, Lord, just I appreciate coming to graphite this the family that you've called me to be at the, here this morning and this is wonderful to be gathered together with our brothers and sisters in Christ. Thank you, Father, that each one of the people sitting here this morning listening to this message is your chosen child, that you love them before the foundation of the earth, that you predestined them for your inheritance, Father God, that you call them each one by name, that Father God, they would surrender and call upon your name to be saved. That they would hear the knock of Jesus at the, their, their heart's door and say, Jesus, come in. Take my life. Make it yours. Use me, Father, to, to change the world in which I find myself. Father God, help me to exit exodus out of Egypt, out of all that sin in my life, and just be made new. Help me to go into a world that needs you desperately. Father God, may I be the good Samaritan to those you call me to be a good Samaritan. to. Father God, we pray for your spirit to seal us and to guide us in all truth. Help us to to hear your voice by day and by night. That you would guide us. That Father God, that none would perish, Father. That you would give us supernatural wisdom in, in working with our fellow man. And Father, we just want to Be grateful as we come to your table this morning. That we can just know that you have invited us. That you've put our name at that table. And we just thank you for that. And we honor you and glorify your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.